What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Today, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills 44-34 win over the Seattle Seahawks. I've been feeling for a while about the Buffalo Bills that there's been a certain amount of disbelief when it comes to the things that they're doing and the way this team works. And while they've given us plenty of pause, even in some of their wins, I certainly hope that this showed a lot of people today what the Buffalo Bills are actually capable of. Despite not being able to run the ball much, despite the Seattle Seahawks kind of getting to them a bit and getting to Josh, at times it was still a very dominant performance by the Buffalo Bills. And really a lot of Russell's yards and a lot of the touchdowns came once the Buffalo Bills were already up 41 to 20. Josh was, once again, exactly what I expect him to be, an improving quarterback with a great arm who has shown improved accuracy like few I've seen since I've been evaluating these kind of things. And, of course, you know, quarterbacks make jumps, but I don't think anybody could have seen how polished and how in control he looks now in comparison to where he was. I don't know what that speaks to as far as his coaching up until this point, but I really do like the Buffalo Bills coaching staff and they make good decisions and it feels like they've done a really good job of developing Josh and giving him what he needs to succeed at this point. And, you know, it's hard to believe in something when you haven't seen it before. And certainly we had seen Josh up until this point, he was frantic, he was inaccurate and it affected the offense in a lot of different ways, but you could see that there were a lot of bedrock skills that he could build off of. And I'm excited to see that he has taken those things and brought them to an NFL level where he's able to use his size where you can't take him down very easily in the pocket. He's got plenty of speed to go with that frame. He's able to get away from people. He's able to use that speed to buy time in the pocket. And then he's also able to use that speed. He's not afraid to pull the ball down and run with it. And since he's been more accurate, he's had to rely on that less and less. Now, he still does, and he still offers us a rushing floor that few quarterbacks offer. And it's not even necessarily a yards thing. It's also that he is the de facto goal line option for this team. And now that he's making good decisions on top of that, the sky's the limit for this guy because he absolutely has a top five arm. I put him his arm on the same level with Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert's broken into that conversation. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, just these super strong arms that can drive the ball down the field, either with a flick of their wrist or if they really get into it, they can really let a ball go. And it's a, it's been more on people. He's been giving people more chances to catch the ball. And it's really made this offense potent, especially when they're not able to run the ball as effectively as some. It's kind of been the case all season that the running attack hasn't really been there on a consistent basis. They were able to run the ball against the Patriots last week a bit, but that was more of a function of the Patriots front seven than the Buffalo Bills really having a strong running attack. Today was kind of the penultimate day of Buffalo leaning on Josh, knowing they had wanted to get this statement win to show everybody what's what. And he really came through for him. And that's why he's valuable in fantasy at this point because the offense does run through him. Every play, every money play 
flows through Josh. And when the running game isn't able to support him, certainly that's bad from a football aspect. From a fantasy aspect, the, the more responsibility, the more touches, the more throws that a player makes, the more they're going to have fantasy value and the more they're going to rack up the stats. So while from a football standpoint, the Buffalo Bills absolutely need to get their running game together for Josh, this is fantasy gold. This is what we've been looking for. And when he can't throw the balls effectively, he runs. And when he can't run the balls effectively or when he doesn't have to, he passes. And that's kind of the equation that we're looking for in a quarterback most of the time when we can help it. Because those are the type of players that don't let us down as often. And while Josh has been more of an up-and-down option before this year, I think it's time to start believing. And I've been on board since week one because I've seen what this guy could do. And I saw what he could be last year when I watched all his games. And uh, it's exciting for me to see him grow in this way. I it certainly makes me believe in myself to see Josh flourish in this way because it's something that I saw when I watched him. So I'm excited to see where he can take this after watching Josh beat up on new England. I love this. I loved his playoff schedule more and more despite having the week 14 matchup with Pittsburgh, which I hate, obviously the money matchups are going to be week 15 and 16 where he has Denver and he has, the Patriots. And that's something I think he can take advantage of. Now the Patriots are into trying to mess with quarterbacks and trying to game plan ways to really stifle them. But I don't think there's anything that I see on Josh's schedule to this point, other than Pittsburgh at week 14, that gives me any sort of pause at this point in the season. A lot of it's about attrition and who's got who injured because, you know, every team on paper could probably win the Super Bowl if they didn't have any injuries, but to this point, you know, we've had nine weeks of football and the injuries are really starting to pile up. So, you know, playing the Los Angeles Chargers, that's not the same thing without Joey Bosa. And they traded Desmond King. So there's all kinds of things we've got to kind of keep in mind that not all these teams are going to be the same down the stretch as they were in the first half of the season. So that's why you got to kind of have to keep up. Uh, it turns less into a trading game and more into – you know, who's injured and who's not, you know, is Kenyon Drake out for more than this game? You know, can Chase Edmonds take advantage of that? Things like that. So that's why we're keeping up with Josh. That's why we're keeping up with the Buffalo Bills and everything that they've got going on to this point focuses towards Josh and him having fantasy value going forward. Now, as I mentioned, the Buffalo Bills had a tough time running the ball today. And while they still used their backs, especially in the first couple of drives to catch the ball, I just don't know with both of them in the lineup that either one of them is going to produce the fantasy value that we're kind of looking for. I want to have shares in both of them because they get enough touches that one of them could possibly go down. And while this hasn't been the strongest running situation, Josh does create goal line carries. If somebody was getting all the touches or the bulk of the touches in the backfield, I do feel like this is a situation that can produce running back to value. But with both of them back there eating into each other and you not knowing which one to play on a given week certainly gives me pause. And while Zach Moss was able to find the end zone, and while it seems he's going to get the bulk of the goal line touches for what they are, you know, they still have Josh in there. And Josh is going to be getting touchdowns and they're going to put the ball in his hands in the money plays. So 
I, I consider Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to be lottery tickets that you could possibly play as a flex if you were desperate to this point. That's how I would trade for them at this time, too. You can't really trade for either one of them as a starter. If you're taking back one of them as the worst player in the trade, that's okay. Because, like I said, they, they could work out. Absolutely. But it can't be something that you're counting on right now as a starter. So it's while that sucks, it just is what it is. And we have to deal with what the reality of the situation is, is that they're eating into each other's value. It's going to be impossible to predict which one is going to blow up if either one of them blow up. Because... Like I said, every this is the Josh show. So I'm not recommending either one of them. I am recommending Stefan Diggs. I never really got off that train to begin with. You would have really had to buy into Josh doesn't have it anymore, like the, the storylines from the last two weeks. And that's not something I was feeling at all. You know, last week there weren't as many targets because they were able to run the ball more effectively on the New England Patriots. But I believe that was because they were so focused on stopping Josh that they were willing to let the Buffalo Bills ineffectively run the ball, and they just ran it a little better than they might have expected, I believe. Today was different. Today they knew they had to funnel everything through Josh. They weren't getting anything on the ground, and they went for it. And that led to a ton of targets. It led to a ton of catches for Stephon Diggs. He looks healthy. He was moving around fluidly. He's making open plays for Josh. Josh trusts him implicitly. He's got all the things that I'm looking for from a talent and an opportunity standpoint for fantasy success. Now, it kind of looked like for a little while that he might be like a fantasy wide receiver one, like a top five, if they were able to continue this. And while I think he's Josh's number one target, I think Josh is also willing to hit the other targets, especially in the red zone. There's a lot of goal line sets. There's a lot of tight ends. Stefan doesn't factor as big when they get down there. So unless he's going to break the longer touchdowns, it may be something where it, do, it pushes him kind of a little bit further back than a wide receiver one to a wide receiver two. Now at this point in time, that is splitting hairs. If he's your, if you, if you have him, you drafted him at a point where he might be your wide receiver two, but still you got to have this guy in your lineup. And I think it's time to trust Josh. And that means tr- trusting Stefan Diggs too. I know we can continue doing this from a talent standpoint. It's just, can the Bills keep doing it? And today should have showed everybody that while Seattle doesn't have a game-breaking defense, they're absolutely not slouches either. And Buffalo showed them what's up today. It wasn't that Seattle just absolutely lost this game either. Buffalo Bills grabbed a hold of it from the very beginning. I mean, they, they drove the ball down the field, punt, drove the ball right down the field again, up 14 points. And from that point forward, they had a hold of the game. And every time Seattle fired back, they fired back too. And then finally they got up and it wasn't enough for, you know, Seattle didn't have enough to make the comeback. And we'll talk about why, you know, it was certainly a lot of factors that went into that when we get into Seattle, but I wanted to finish up with the Buffalo Bills receivers You know, I'm still not recommending Gabriel Davis, although he has plenty of talent. He's not as talented as Stefan Diggs or probably maybe as talented as John Brown in different ways. But it's on his part, it's more of an opportunity thing where the third receiver in this offense, this isn't 
Peyton Manning offense where the third receiver is a sustainable thing or they're throwing the ball so much that the third receiver is a sustainable thing. While they put the ball in the air a good deal today, they still only threw it 38 times. So it was more based on Josh's efficiency and him moving the ball down the field with his laser rocket arm. So Gabriel absolutely has the abilities to take advantage of that. I just think that if he's going to be anything more than a wide receiver three, that there's going to have to be a little bit better target share overall on, on a week-to-week basis. And you know what? It was good for the offense to have John Brown back too. Uh, he gives them another game-breaking speed type player on the field that has a good connection with Josh that Josh trusts and certainly makes the bills harder to cover. I think I have in the past underestimated how much it means to have really fast, good wide receivers on the field that are able to split and get separation consistently for their quarterback. And uh, I'm not going to do so in the future because now that's for quarterback evaluation though, because on the wide receiver end of it, I mean, Cole Beasley can be as good at his job as he wants, but I don't think that's ever going to thrust him into the wide receiver two conversation, no matter how many injuries the Buffalo Bills might have at wide receiver, just because of his slot role and because of the way that he's used no matter what. I mean, you know, it'd take a lot of people to go down in this offense before Cole Beasley is the number one option. And that's a good thing. From a football standpoint, that's absolutely a good thing. But for Cole, for Gabriel Davis, for Tyler Croft, there's just not enough on the bone week to week to really consistently produce value when Josh takes so much of it. And that's part of what we want for our number one options is to suck up all that value and screw the rest of that team, you know, and it's not, it's not on Josh. It's on the way that they had to win this game. They had to throw the ball and they had to be efficient and they had to do exactly what they did. And they did it. And John, having John Brown out there, having Gabriel Davis, having Cole Beasley, having those Tyler Croft, having those weapons absolutely means something. Having Devin Singletary was catching the ball good out of the backfield too. I definitely think that while, I love the weapons for Josh. They're all over the place. There are just too many of them currently to support anybody from a pass catcher standpoint other than Stefan Diggs as far as consistent fantasy value goes. And that's what we're looking for, predictable, consistent value that we can count on from week to week. And I think we can count on Stefan Diggs. I'm not as sure about John Brown or Gabriel Davis. Same thing with Cole. It's Cole's role. And the same with the others. It's just not enough week to week where I feel good about it. Now, John Brown in a best ball league. Yeah. Let's get into that because he's absolutely going to have some times, you know, one of those touchdowns goes his way and we're talking about a big day, not just a regular day. Eight for 99 certainly ain't going to hurt any feelings now, but still it's just not, I don't know if there's going to be enough each week. Anyway, moving over to the Seattle Seahawks. It was weird to see the Seahawks get down like this and then to see Russell Wilson get hit and get picked. It was just very uncharacteristic of the Seattle Seahawks. They've been a lot more controlled and in control. They have been keeping Russ upright and not allowing him to get hit as much. And Russ has been super judicious with the ball and super accurate to this point. And uh, I think to a detriment, I mean, he's a person, you know, everybody's going to have off days and Buffalo was getting after him. 
I mean, they were absolutely getting after him. They had a great game plan as far as the way they funneled everything together. You know, I was talking about Buffalo not being able to run the ball. Seattle wasn't much better. You know, Buffalo did a good job keeping Russ in the pocket. They did a good job of not allowing him to run the ball. He got a touchdown, but that was a a goal line quarterback sneak, which is also kind of unlike him. But, hey, we like that in fantasy, absolutely. And you know what? Russ himself had a great fantasy day. The thing is, 150 of his yards and both of his touchdowns came when the game was essentially over. So they, you know, did a good job of making this look good. But Buffalo put him away. You know, they backed off a little bit and allowed them to kind of cook a little bit more as far as the passing game goes in the end, you know, kind of garbage time style. But, and, you know, Russ is so good and, and his receivers are so good that, you know, it's hard to say that about their the way they are moving the ball. But I'll tell you that Buffalo played really tight coverage. They got after Russ and made him uncomfortable. And, uh, man, they made some really sweet plays on those picks. Like, they were really good. You have to really make a good play. Russ isn't throwing it into your stomach. You know what I mean? So while it wasn't his best day and while he still produced for fantasy, so that's great. He's still right on path for what he's doing. It was just weird to see that from a football standpoint, to see Seattle struggle like that. And uh, it didn't shake my faith in them exactly, but it does let everybody know that they aren't as dominant and certain types of defenses, certain types of plays, et cetera, are going to be able to give them trouble when they're not able to have the offense flow a little bit, when it is a little bit more all on Russ, we can see today that Seattle does need balance. The teams do need balance from a real life perspective. And while that sopped up all the fantasy value for Russ and his receivers, and that's great from a real life perspective, I know Seattle has to be concerned with what they saw today and certainly everybody's going to be watching this game tape going forward as far as how did this Buffalo Bills do this. Yes, and Seattle can certainly expect to see those fronts again. But from a fantasy aspect, I mean, Russ had 390 yards and two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. He crushed it. He's a quarterback one. There's no doubt about it. I'm just it's a little shaken more by the football aspect of it because that was surprising. And – Buffalo, like I said, came out and won this game and kind of showed everybody that and really was playing harder. I think I was trying to put my finger on it. I just felt like Buffalo was flying around. They were playing tight coverage, and they really wanted this more than Seattle did. But like I said, plenty of fantasy value for us. I certainly don't see any reason that for him to stop this. I mean, outside of them resting him or outside of an injury, you know, just like I said for Josh, the offense is running more through Russ than ever. And with Carson out, with Carlos Hyde out, you know, DJ Dallas has been fine, but he's just not the same type of runner. I don't know if he's quite as good. And, you know, it's not like Seattle had a dominant run blocking unit in the first place. So that's why they've been cooking. That's why they've been passing the ball more. That's what's led to a big year for Russ. Russ has had some down years too, but I mean, those down years were products of Pete Carroll running the ball, no no opportunity for Russ to throw the ball more than 25 times. I mean, it was just a volume aspect in those years. And with Seattle being a little bit more vulnerable on defense and, than usual, and with the running game not cooking as hard, it sets him up in the same way that Josh has set up. Let Russ cook. Ball's in Russ's hands. He's got the money plays. He's scoring the touchdowns. Those are the things we want from a 
fancy quarterback one. And the only thing that gives me pause is that I know in Pete Carroll's heart of hearts that he would throw the ball as few times as necessary to get the win. But I think he's realized, I think DK Metcalf has kind of flipped the narrative on them that they know that they need to get the ball in his hands and that they know that they're going to need to pass the ball to do so, that he's the explosive part of their offense and that they've got to have that to make everything else go. Speaking of DK, got shut down a little bit early. And I think that was a part of, you know, their struggles early on. He was able to get one of the garbage time touchdowns. He was able to get loose a lot more in the second half. And uh, I certainly don't see any reason for him to drop off either. He's got insane physical talent. He's getting better at all the other routes. The other routes are starting to look crisper as he runs them. And certainly the size speed combo on this guy is incredible. And I don't, like I said, I don't see any reason for this to stop. And I mean, somebody's going to have to double him or they're going to have to, you know, start doing shading him. And while that's going on a certain extent, you know, Seattle's done a good job of putting other weapons out there so that teams can't do that. I like DK going forward. And, and while that's led to a little bit of instability in Tyler Lockett, I like Tyler too. You just have to realize that Tyler Lockett is going to be a little bit more up and down than some of the wide receiver two type types because it does take certain situations for him to get loose. It is a little bit more based on big plays when it comes to his touchdowns because he's not as much of a goal line threat because of his size. So DK also checks that box and that he is a huge goal line threat because the things tighten up when you get closer to the goal line, it's harder to get loose and get separation. So it becomes more about size. That's why you see the goal line back come in that has more size because it comes, becomes less about speed and more about power. And DK absolutely has the power to be a red zone threat, whereas Tyler Lockett does not. That's not to say that he isn't quick and that he doesn't create that separation and that things just didn't go his way today because they struggled early. So, like I said, there's big days for Tyler ahead, absolutely. It's just you have to bake these kind of days into his price where he's not able to get loose on that day or for whatever reason they spread the targets around. Because the other problem for Tyler is that, you know, David Moore, Jacob Hollister, Will Disley, Greg Olson, there's all these other targets. And while they're not the same, they do run underneath routes. They have Russ's eye. It's not like the Minnesota Vikings where it's Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and then everybody else. Now, Irv Smith definitely put that paradigm I just tried to lay down into question today when he scored two touchdowns, but that was that was a fluky, flaky thing that I hope happens more because I like Irv Smith, but the point is there are a lot of options for Russ to throw it to a time in the same way that there's a lot of options for Josh to throw to. So when you're not the apple of his eye, when you're not a red zone threat, it leads you to a lower floor because DK is probably going to be involved no matter what. Even the two for 29 game he had, he scored. It's just, there was a penalty. So I feel like his floor is higher even with him being a little inconsistent himself because he doesn't have every route in his route tree. He's not doing everything that a number one wide receiver would do. And that's why I pumped the brakes on calling him the best wide receiver in football because he's not. Devontae Adams is better. As an overall receiver, Devontae Adams is better than DK Metcalf right now. But the sky is the limit for DK. We're in Devontae's prime currently. 
So the fact that DK Metcalf doesn't have everything in his bag of tricks in year two is not surprising. But what I'm saying is I just don't, don't want to anoint this guy too quick. I want to enjoy his growth process because sky's the limit. He absolutely can be the best guy. Nobody ever doubted that. I'm not sure what the doubt was in NFL circles necessarily. You know, I think it was the fact that he played with an XFL quarterback. Uh, you know, I mean, that, quarter, that quarterback he was playing with at Ole Miss was not all that good. And, you know, if you can't teach the guy, if you can't, if you just use him for one thing, I mean, he's going to have to learn these other things. And that should be a scary proposition for the rest of the league and an exciting proposition for the Seattle Seahawks. But like I said, just like with Stefan Diggs, now that DK Metcalf is the apple of Russ's eye, it's going to lead to some instability with Tyler. Now we saw that on the flip side of that, Tyler could take advantage of it. And when there's too much on DK, he can make it happen on the other people or when they don't have a second cornerback that does give Tyler the second cornerback that he could take advantage of like he did with Drake or Patrick the other day versus the Cardinals. But then you get into a day like today where David Moore is the one that gets loose down the field and then we're left with the day like today. And that's why a lot of times I shy away from Tyler Lockett because I don't want that type of day to happen, you know, in the playoffs. So that's why I might be moving off of him if I could, just because I want the consistency from that guy. Now, if he's your wide receiver three, that's different. You kind of like to have a blow up wide receiver when you're having to start three, but for a two wide receiver situation, I'm trying to upgrade, I believe on Tyler. Finally, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks rushing attack with no Chris Carson and no Carlos Hyde. They're mixing in DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Travis was in the mix beforehand and he's still kind of working as the third down back. I don't think he has juice enough to be the lead back. Clearly Seattle doesn't either. They are, they're starting, you know, DJ Dallas instead and using him more as the banger as the between the tackles guy. And it just wasn't there today. And while I think DJ with no Carlos and no uh, Chris Carson is probably a decent flex option. It's not exactly a prime position at this point, especially when they're splitting it between Travis and DJ. Certainly there's going to be goal line carries and certainly, you know, DJ is probably going to fall in the end zone maybe, but I just don't think he has the chops for running back two, running back one type territory. So that's where I'm treating him. You picked him up. So flex him away, but just know that there's probably going to be some instability there too, like today. Well, that's what I've got for today. Sorry about the voice. It's probably going to take some time for it to get better, but I appreciate you sticking with me. Look forward to the videos this week. I can't wait to make highlight videos off this team so you can kind of see what I saw when I watched this film. Like, listen, subscribe, and uh, download. I appreciate y'all listening and have a great rest of your day.